I guess that I, that's, I guess that's what I would come out to. Just a little. All right. Well, hey, it's uh, good to see each and every one of you. And this morning has been just an amazing Sunday. First service, we had our our baptisms, and it's always so wonderful um, to see people make that decision, and it's exciting. But before we get into the message, I just kind of want to draw our attention to the fact that tomorrow is Memorial Day. And I want to take a moment, if we could, and just remember those who have served, who paid the ultimate sacrifice, who gave their lives for our nation and for our freedom, the the men and women who knew what it meant to live life on mission. I don't know if you know this or not, but the United States Navy it has over 700 ships in what they call the Mothball Navy. These vessels, which basically are harbored all around our nation um, in various harbors, uh, they receive regular maintenance to help prevent rust, but to also keep them ready and available in times of emergency or times of need. But the fact of the matter is, right now, they're just sitting there. They're doing nothing. And even though a lot of money and effort are being put into them to maintain them, they just sit there. And retired pastor Stephen Cole, he said this, he says, ask any pastor and he will tell you that. One of the frustrations of ministry is that there are so many mothball Christians in the church. They sit harbored there week in and week out. They require maintenance, especially when they have a problem or need, but they're not doing anything to serve the Lord. Pastors call this the 80-20 rule, meaning that about 20% of the church, 20% of the Christians inside the church do about 80% of the work, and this should not be. Because if Jesus has saved you from your sins, then out of our love and appreciation to him for what he did, it should be our desire to serve him. You know, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus himself, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if we're growing to be more and more like Jesus, our mission in life should be to serve him more and more. This morning, we're going to continue walking through this series that we've been looking at called The Messengers. And we're going to talk about what it means as Christians to live our lives on mission, specifically on mission for God. I don't know about you, but over the last few weeks, months, my my heart has been really heavy. You know, since May 13th, just a couple weeks ago, we've seen mass shootings take place in Milwaukee and Buffalo in Houston and just this week in Uvalde, Texas. In fact, during this time, since May 13th, there have been at least 18 mass shootings in the United States. This has led to 42 deaths and 79 people being injured because of it. Not to mention the emotional pain and the emotional loss of those who are involved. Listen, these people, they're going to be dealing with this pain for the rest of their lives. 
What kind of blew my mind was Uvalde was the 27th school shooting in the United States this year alone. Then there's the war in Ukraine. And as of the latest reports, about 4,000 people have lost their lives there, and that's just what is known since this conflict began. People have lost their homes. Families have been torn apart. You know, some people will probably not even go back to their home country. The physical and the emotional pain that a lot of these people are experiencing, I believe it has to be devastating. And even right here at home in the Quad Cities, we're reading recently of reports of schools that are filled with disrespect and fighting that parents are afraid to send their kids to. Spoke with a student last week who is scared for their own safety. You know, I, I don't know if any of this should really surprise us. I just don't. I think sometimes it takes us off guard, but I don't know if it should surprise us because there's been like this lack of respect for human life happening for years. I mean, how many millions of babies have been killed through abortion There's no respect for any kind of authority whatsoever, whether it be our government or our military, whether it's respect for our police officers or our school teachers. There's a a real lack of respect for people who might have differing views or opinions than we do. We have parents who are being horrible examples for their children. You know, I I heard recently, just I think this last week, that a fight broke out between parents in the parking lot of an elementary school. And if this is the example that we're setting for our children, no wonder there's so much craziness in our world today. And I want you to know this morning, if you call yourself a Christian, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, I truly believe that we should be grieving these things. These things just aren't right. And I believe that we should be praying about these things. Scripture tells us in Romans 12, 15 that we should weep with those who weep. So we should be doing something about what we're hearing But let me say this, and I want to be as sensitive as possible, so hang in here and hear what I'm saying. From a worldly perspective, no matter what we think might be the solution for any of these problems, whether it's gun control legislation or maybe getting involved in the war, maybe it's going to school board meetings or pulling our kids out of school, the truth of the matter is that these things are only band-aids for a much larger issue that is taking place. And yes, I'm not saying we shouldn't get involved in these other things, but they're not going to cure the core issue. Evil and violence have been in this world almost from the very beginning. I think they're going to continue to be until Jesus Christ himself returns. Why? Because sin has been in this world almost from the very beginning. Since Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. So the truth of all of this is we have one major sin problem. 
And when there's a sin problem, we see the evil that comes out of it. And I believe the only thing that's going to make any difference whatsoever in this sinful world is the good news of Jesus Christ. And then I think when we start to see that, when we start to be his messengers, when we start to spread that good news, I believe we see people start to repent. I think we see people start to turn to the Lord. And listen, this is the job that Jesus himself has given us to be his messengers, to take his name. Jesus wants us, as his followers, as his children, to be living a life on mission. But are we? Are we really living a life on mission? And I want you to hear me. My intent this morning is not to like beat us up or make anyone feel guilty, but chances are, at some point this week when you may have heard the terrible news of what happened in Uvalde, I believe it probably affected every single one of us in that moment. We probably stopped what we were doing. We probably began to, you know, try to internalize this. We tried to figure it out. We started to mourn for those involved. We probably prayed for those involved. I hope we did. Some of us may have been dwelling on this for this entire week, and some of us might even be consumed by this or other bad things that are happening. But at some point, I feel like a lot of us, and I'm including myself in this, I think, I think we just go on to living our lives. We just go back to the day-to-day. -day. It really doesn't do anything to us. There's no real life change that comes out of these situations, at least in our life. For example, I do believe as we talk about this this morning, this probably stirs up emotion. It probably stirs up feelings within you. But chances are we're going to leave here this morning, and some of us, we're going to go on to graduations and family dinners and Memorial Day activities, and we're going to go off to sporting events and out to the lake, and chances are we're probably not going to give this a second thought. Here's the thing, BCC. As Christ followers, as messengers, living here in the Quad Cities, we have a mission. And it's a big one. You know, for, for weeks and months now, Pastor Derek, he's been, been sharing with us how we have can, how we've been put into this Barna research study the Quad Cities has showing that we're the 15th in the United States as being the most post-Christian area in the nation, number 15. And number 19 is the most unchurched, the Quad Cities. And I just wonder why. Do you? I mean, do we really think about this? That on our watch, in our community, we as Christians have allowed the Quad Cities to become this? We have a job to do. Listen, we need to start prioritizing the things of God over the things of self if we're going to live on mission and we're going to start making a difference in this dark and evil world. Now, to help us out, because, man, this has become a downer, hasn't it? We've had a celebration this morning through baptism, and now I'm throwing all this at you. Listen, I want to be able to send you out these doors this morning encouraged because I believe each and every one of us can be a messenger, 
I believe each and every one of us has a specific mission that Christ has called us to right here in our homes, in our schools, in our places of work, and throughout our entire community. Jesus is calling you. He's giving you a mission. But do you choose to accept it? Yeah, I don't know why I did that. All right. Got a, got a segue out of that one now. All right, listen, I want to I leave us with some encouragement. And so to do that, I want to look back into the book of Acts, which we've been doing through this series of the messengers. And specifically, we're going to look at Acts chapter 9. And we're going to look specifically about this man named Saul. And we're going to look at his conversion story. So this moment that he comes to know who Jesus is and that he accepts him as his Savior. And, and so his name was Saul. It later gets changed to Paul. So if you hear me say Saul or Paul, I'm talking about the same guy. As I'm reading scripture, it's, it's Saul, because that's what it says. But I know as I get going, I'll sometimes throw Paul in there. So just know that that's probably going to happen. You see this man named Saul who's been out arresting Christians for speaking the name of Jesus. You see this man who's not only arrested them, he's, he's murdered them. He's persecuted them. And we see this moment when he comes face to face with Jesus and what takes place. Read along with me. Starting in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that, he, so that if he found any belongings to the way, the way was this early group of Christians, it was those who believed and were preaching the message, so if he found anybody belonging to this group, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, ground he, heard in a voice, or he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you, are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he said, here I am, Lord. That's always a good thing to do when the Lord calls on you, just say, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of, Sar of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done in, um, to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the, uh, for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. I love reading this account. 
I love seeing this story of this man who had been an enemy of God. Somebody who had been persecuting, arresting, and murdering Christians comes face to face with Jesus Christ and it changes everything. Man, that's the story of all of our lives, isn't it? If we've come to know who Jesus Christ is, man, we had a past, we came face to face with Jesus and he's changed everything. Or that should be our story. I hope that's our story. I hope because of what Jesus has done for you, the forgiveness of your sins, I hope your life has been changed because of it. I love it because I think this story of Saul coming to Christ is a prime example about what the grace of God can do. It's an incredible story of how the Holy Spirit can change a heart and how God can use absolutely anybody. There shouldn't be an excuse for any of us if God can use a murderer, somebody who persecuted his people. There shouldn't be any excuse because God wants to use us for his work and his glory. And I love what we see, you know, in verse 19, we, we read that, that Saul was baptized. And I love the fact today was Baptism Sunday and we got to see a couple lives Make that decision. This act of identifying with Christ and his people, of being obedient to his command, becoming a part of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, committing to live this new life in Christ. It's what we saw a couple do this morning, and it's what we see here in Scripture. It's what what Saul chose to do. He's baptized, and immediately after his baptism, we see here that Saul's ministry begins. We might even say here that Paul has been saved to serve, that God had a mission for him to live out. And I believe it's the same for us. I believe that's our same calling when we accept Christ as our Savior and we're baptized into him, he has a mission for us. And this is what Saul did. It says, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and they said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, and these many days that it's talking about here, it, it is many days, it's probably like two or three years that pass, it says the Jews then plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples, so he had gathered this following as well, his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple, but Barnabas. He took him, and he brought him to the apostles and declared to him how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke, and he disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea 
and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So kind of recapping what's happened, Paul has come to Jesus. He's been baptized and immediately he begins to live his life on mission. Can I say here that if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've made him your Lord and Savior, he has a purpose and he has a mission for you too. I absolutely love it when someone comes to Christ. I love new Christians because you kind of see that excitement. You see that passion, this passion for Jesus. And many, when they first come to Christ, they want to tell anybody who will listen to them about who Jesus is. They want to share their new faith. I once had a student in a former ministry at another church, and I believe he's a perfect example of the passion that we can find in a new believer. Now, I've shared this story through the past with our students here, but I'd like to share it with everybody today because I think it's really fitting for what we see in the message. His name was Ricky, and I met Ricky when he was a sophomore in high school. He began coming to our church on our Wednesday night services. We ran a bus ministry, and so he and his brother would ride the bus. And listen, this, this happened more than 20 years ago, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. Because I remember the day that, that Ricky, he gave his life to Christ and was baptized. And at that point, I just have to tell you, Ricky got fired up. He got passionate. It was just amazing, and it was so cool to see because over the next couple of months, Ricky introduced me to pretty much everybody he knew. <laughs> I mean, he just started bringing friends to church. He introduced me to people like Wayne and Jared and Caleb and Chad and Corey and Clayton and Jonathan, and, and this is just to name a few. And in the time that followed, we saw a lot of these guys make a decision themselves to follow Christ as their Savior and be baptized themselves. See, I think Ricky got it. I think he got it much the same way that Paul did. He knew that Jesus had saved him, and he wanted to live his life with a purpose. He wanted to live his life on mission. And here's what I want you to understand about Ricky. Ricky came from a non-Christian home. Ricky did not have it figured out. He didn't know everything there was to know about his faith. But what he did know is that Jesus had saved him, and he was passionate about it. Listen, if you're new to the faith or you've been a Christian for a long time, and maybe you just need to renew your passion today, I believe that as we look into this passage, I think we can see five things that will help us be better messengers of the message of Christ, and I believe this about all of us. And so the first thing is this. As we live out our life on mission, the first thing I think we need to do is we need to take time to learn from others. Take time to learn from other believers. If we go back to Acts 19, uh, 919, it says this. It says, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. So after he'd been baptized, he stayed with the disciples for a number of days. And listen, Saul understood the importance of this. He understood the importance of gathering with God's people, of staying them with some days so he could learn what it meant to be a disciple, 
Once again, he didn't have it figured out, and so what better way to start learning a few things than to gather with God's people? And so my question this morning to you is, how are you gathering with God's people? Are you gathering with God's people? Are you looking for ways to gather with God's people? Because Ricky, Ricky started to gather, and he started to learn. Like I said, when he first started coming to our ministry, he was solely coming on, on, on Wednesday nights. But then he got his license and he began to attend on Sunday mornings and then Sunday night. Then he started coming to our youth events and attending camps and conferences with us. On weekends, he would come over to Michelle and I, my house and he would just hang out. He started bringing some of these friends that I told you about and other students in the church started coming I remember one time specifically, this guy named Caleb, he's like, I just have to tell you, I love, just, I, I love the fact that you've opened your house to us. Because he said, it's keeping me from going to parties. And so he would come and he would just hang out. Uh, a lot of times, Ricky, a lot of times, you know, these other guys, and, and they would come and, yeah, we'd goof around, we'd play games and we'd have fun, but eventually the conversation would start to turn just about their new faith. And what they needed to do and what they needed to learn I just thought this was amazing. He wanted to learn everything he could learn about Jesus so he could go out and then he can share that with more and more of his friends. And listen, whether you're a new child of God or you've been a believer for the past 20, 40, maybe 60 years, this should never stop in our life. We should never stop prioritizing relationships. And that's why relationships are such a priority here at BCC. Because we truly believe that the closer we grow together as Christians, the closer each and every one of us can grow individually with Jesus. There's so many things that I'm excited about, the opportunities that we have here at Bettendorf Christian Church. Shanda already came out and shared with you the opportunity for these summer hangouts. She had me at cupcakes. <laughs> I mean, clearly. But listen, this is a great way to come and to get to know people. Listen, I just want to say this. I hope we're not content just to come in on a Sunday morning and just fill a seat. And yeah, we'll sing to God and we'll hear a message and maybe we'll feel better about ourselves when we leave. But then we don't come back to church until the next week. We have no interaction with other Christians. I don't believe this is what Jesus intended. Jesus has called us to a community. And so hear me, I might step on your toes right now. Somebody said that as they walked out this morning, first service, they said, you stepped on my toes, so I'm going to use it, I'll step on your toes too. How's that sound? <laughs> I don't see any steel-toed boots, so it might get through. <laughs> Listen, you've heard it now. You've heard this. You know what's happening, you know what's going on. So now it's your opportunity to respond. If you really care about the evil and the stuff that's going on in the world, do something about it. Don't just keep going to Facebook and complaining. Do something. Join a community. Learn from each other. And then take what you're learning and take it to the world. This is what's going to change things. Complaining's not. Okay? Let's do something. The second thing I want to make sure you guys know about, I'm a student pastor, so now I get to advertise my student stuff. Man, for middle school students, 6th through 8th grade, we've got summer surge happening in a couple weeks. It's a great way for our students to come, hang out, get to know each other. 
I'm loving the sign-up we got going on so far, but listen, deadline's tomorrow. And I'd love to see a few more students get on there. Why? Because I want our students to build a relationship with each other. Why? So they can learn more about Jesus. And so June 6th through the 8th, from 6 to 8.30 each evening, we'll be having a lot of fun. We'll be learning about Jesus. This is a great chance for your middle school students to come and get to know Jesus. Sign them up. Deadline tomorrow. All right? Listen, yes, I'm a commercial, but I want you to know about these things. One last thing. We have a table out in the commons this morning so you can get signed up to serve the cities. Yes, it's awesome to go and do missions or serve by yourself. It's okay to do that. But you want to know what's even better? You go with the community of believers. And you serve together. And you share the name of Jesus together. And you learn from each other while you're serving we got a lot of awesome opportunities coming up in July. There's a table. I'm done advertising. Just go get signed up. How's that sound? The reason I want you to get signed up is because I truly believe this. I'm not going to stand up here and preach this if I don't believe it. And this is our heart here at BCC. We prioritize relationships. We want you guys connected. Listen, I'm furthest away from Jesus when I'm by myself. It just happens. He's built us for community so I know some of you might be nervous. Some of you are probably like scared to death right now. But you need to get signed up. Will you just listen to your pastor and get signed up? <laughs> It'll mean the world to me. I know that doesn't work. I've been trying it for years. But get signed up, all right? Listen, I love the idea. Just get together, have a barbecue, do whatever. There's a lot of opportunities, and these are great ways that we live our lives on mission by being connected with other believers. The next thing is this. We see them immediately starting to share their faith. The them, we, we look into Scripture, we see Paul. It says this. It says, immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying that he is the Son of God. What I love is that Saul did not sit around very long before he starts to proclaim the name of Jesus. You know, Saul didn't know a lot. He didn't know much. He'd been persecuting these guys, but what he does know is that he was changed instantly because of his encounter with Jesus, and then he wants everybody to know about it, so what does he do? He does what he knows. He goes and he proclaims that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what he knew. That was it. I mean, he could have easily thought, you know, well, you know, I'm kind of new at this. I don't really know a whole lot, so I need to probably get a few things together before I ever open my mouth and talk about Jesus. He may have even thought, listen, I'm going to look like a fool out here. I mean, I came here to persecute Christians. I came here to arrest them and drag them off. And now I know Jesus, and now I'm preaching about him. People are going to think I'm crazy. People who don't understand will think I've lost my mind. And maybe that's where some of us are at because we're sitting there thinking, people know my past. How are people ever going to believe that I've accepted Christ because of all the mess in my life? Listen, I can tell you, we've seen Saul's life. I can tell you, Ricky sure didn't have it all together. And I know even in my own life, I remember going to my 10-year class reunion. After I graduated high school, I just split. I went to a new college. God had kind of done some stuff in my life, and so I left. But I decided to go back from a 10-year class reunion, sitting at a table, talking with some friends. And so then the discussion gets going, like, so what are you guys doing now? What's everybody doing? I said, hey, I'm a student pastor. And everybody looked at me and said, what? 
And then it was awesome because this guy that was kind of like the stereotypical 80s rock kid, you know, he's, uh, he's got the long hair and he's wearing like his Slayer and Metallica and Megadeth shirts all the time. And anyway, he's bald now just like I am. He lost his hair too. And he said, <laughs> that's what we were all doing. And he says, he says, hey, I got saved too, you know, and we had this great conversation, but nobody could believe that either one of us had ever accepted Christ because of the way we lived in high school. We all have a past. We all have a story. And listen, can I tell you that God uses it for his glory? Listen, if we've had a life where we've struggled and now people see the newness of Christ in our life, it will have an impact. Each and every one of us has a story to tell. We all have a past before Christ. And listen, some of us have known Jesus since we were little, but listen, somewhere along the line, we've probably stepped away. Listen, you have a story. Share it. I love the fact he doesn't make excuses. He doesn't think, man, I'm, I'm going to make all sorts of mistakes. He just does it. And that's what Ricky did. It's what I saw in him. I think one of the cool things that I got to see through Ricky's story, and, and I'm using Ricky as an example because I think what we see is just how he affected so many lives, and those lives affected more lives. And I got to see an entire student ministry changed and affected for about three to five years because one student got it and then did something about it. Could you imagine what happened if every single one of us got it today and we started doing something about it? I mean, really doing something about it? To be the messengers that Christ has called us to be? There was this girl in our ministry named Vanessa, and she saw Ricky bringing all his friends, and she saw all Ricky's friends accepting Christ and getting baptized, and she's like, I've got non-Christian friends. And so she started inviting her friends. And I remember one specifically, a girl named Brooke. Brooke started coming to youth group. And what was awesome about Ricky and Vanessa is this. Yes, they brought their friends to church. They're like, come, it's a fun place to hang out. Our youth minister's really awesome. You got to meet him. <laughs> and, and that's good. And it was true. <laughs> but, but, they were sharing themselves. They were telling about Jesus themselves. They didn't just leave it up to the youth minister or the pastor. They were out sharing Jesus themselves. And we saw lives change. And I'll never forget the day that Brooke accepted Christ and then I got to watch Vanessa baptize her into Christ. Something she'd been praying about for years. They were on cheerleaders together and all through high school had prayed for. I got to see her do that after they graduated. It's just awesome what God can do in our lives when we're willing that's it, when we're just a willing messenger to take his message through the Holy Spirit to the people. It's just amazing. It's amazing what God can do. It's just so cool. And this is what I love about Saul and what I love about Ricky is just that they just allowed Jesus to change their life. They had an encounter with him, and he changed everything. Once again, they weren't worried that they didn't know it all. They weren't worried that they might make a mistake. In fact, I think that's what might hold a lot of us back is we're just afraid we're going to make mistakes. Well, D.L. Moody, he once said this. He said, if you don't go to work for the Lord because you're scared of making mistakes, you will probably make the greatest mistake of your life, that of doing nothing. And we got to do something. And the sad thing is a lot of us, we've been dragging our feet for years. So it's time that we stop with the excuses and we start to live on mission and live the purpose that Christ has called us to. 
The next thing is believers should take time to grow. Yeah, Saul didn't know it all. So yeah, he was hanging out with, with believers. He was still telling people about Jesus, but in the whole process this time, he's telling people about Jesus. He starts to grow in his faith, and it says this in verse 22. It said, Saul increased all the more in strength. And, and the, it basically means he just kept increasing. He didn't stop. He kept learning. He kept doing what he could to get to know more and more about his Savior so he could share more and more. And he grew more capable. The more he told people about Jesus, the better he became. And that's what could happen to each and every one of us. I know it's scary the first time. I know it's scary the second time. I know it's scary the hundredth time. It's always scary, but that's why we have a Holy Spirit. Man, Jesus himself said, you're going to do greater things than I ever did because of this spirit that's going to reside inside of you and speak my words to the people. Man, time to latch onto that truth, right? And just start letting the spirit and God lead us. God's got a mission. We're his messengers. He grew in his knowledge of scriptures. Verse 22, it says, Saul confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So he continued to grow in his experience of sharing. He continued to grow in his knowledge. I remember with Ricky, he wanted to learn more. And so he's like, hey, can we just meet on like Wednesday afternoons after I get out of school? And I have to say, my first instinct was, oh man, we got church on Wednesday night. I'm usually preparing, but I'm just like, he wants to start a group. Who am I to say no? And so he went and he gathered Wayne and Caleb and Josh. And he said, let's start a small group. And I said, all right, let's do it. And so we started meeting every Wednesday after school and we would go and pick up snacks and I had to go pick some of them up. They didn't have their license and others that were driving would meet us. And we'd all go get something to eat and we'd come back to the church and we would just talk. And we would read books I mean, high school guys reading books, it just kind of blew my mind. But we'd give them books, and they would read them, and they'd come discuss them. And, of course, we were reading Scripture, and we were discussing Scripture, and we were just talking about Jesus and just answering whatever questions they had, and they had a lot. And most of them were like, how can we better tell our friends about Jesus? And this group was amazing. I remember at 17 years of age, 17, Caleb Caleb was just an awesome guy, and he's just like, Barry, he said, I just got to know. He's like, so like, what are the qualifications, and how old do I need to be before I become an elder of the church? <laughs> like, he was already already there, like, you know, and I'm just like, dude, you're already doing, like, you're serving, you're, you're, you're hanging out with people, you're praying with people, it's just awesome. Um, Wayne, Wayne's just one of these guys that God called him, I think, to ministry, but just a lot of the stuff in his life kind of took him in a different direction. He, he did end up serving in the, the military and the Marines for a lot of years. He's happily married. He's, you know, still living things out. But sometimes I'm still praying God will get back a hold of Wayne's heart. Josh, Josh was younger than these guys. And these guys kind of took them, him under their wing. And he kind of took them under his, even though he's a couple years younger. He was probably a little older in the faith. And so he was able to share with them. But they just liked him and he was young. And they just poured into him and he poured into them. And Josh went on to Atlanta Christian College and became a student pastor and is still a student pastor today. And I'm sharing a lot of names with you because I want you to see that all of these people were influenced by this one young man who was named Ricky. Ricky shared Jesus, and Jesus took control of people's hearts. And that's what he can do in each and every one of our lives. He can do that. These guys, they gave up a lot of stuff. I'm not sure they had as much going on in their life as students do now, although, listen, let's just be honest, we've always, had, we've always been busy. But they didn't have social media to contend with, so they'd rather come to church. 
Sports hadn't taken over the world yet at that point. It was still pretty important to people. But they had free Wednesday nights and they had free Sunday nights. So where were they? They came to church. Why? Because they wanted to hear about Jesus. Why? Because they wanted to make a difference in the world. Where are our priorities? Like I said, I know I'm going to preach a sermon. And and listen, I had a lot of people leave this morning and say, man, oh man, that inspired me. Oh man, that meant a lot. Oh man, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Listen, I've been in ministry long enough to know we're going to go to our dinners, we're going to go to our sporting events, and we're going to forget everything we heard today. Unless you do something about it. Be the change. As a student pastor, I'll just be honest, I'm tired of every excuse I hear because I don't think there's an excuse. Yes, I know we live in a world, but we're not supposed to live in the world. It's time to start making a priority and making that priority Jesus. Making that the people who don't know Jesus. Because when we start to get that together, the stuff we talked about earlier, we can make a change. The world's an evil place, yes. But man, there's so much goodness in this world. It's the goodness of God that we sang about this morning. You can make a difference. You can make an impact. It's time to stop just talking about it. It's time to do something. Parents, what kind of priorities are we teaching our children? Are you teaching your children that their priority should be their lost friends? Or is it how well they do at school? Or how well they do in their activities? I mean, that's great. We all want our children to do well. Man, I want my son to do well. And I'm talking to myself because I'm not always the greatest example, even as a pastor. But we got to start doing something. Because this world's going to hell. We've got to do something. It's on each one of us. It's, It's on you. It's on me. It's time to start doing something. Where do our priorities lie? I love these guys because they made their priority Jesus. The next thing we see here, and this is what we need to brace for, since we live in an evil world, you can darn be sure opposition's gonna come. If you're getting sold out for Jesus, Jesus is gonna do everything in his power to mess you up. You might be doing really well right now. You might be clicked in. You might be excited about what Christ has. But listen, it can just be like this before something happens and it can change our total trajectory. You know, we see in Paul's life, we read how there were those that wanted to kill him because now he's preaching for Jesus. We see that the church didn't trust him and probably rightfully so. He faced opposition from outside the church. He faced opposition from inside the church. That's just what happens. Wayne, who I've told you about, I think one of the biggest things in Wayne's life, and I really believe one of the biggest reasons Wayne didn't go on into ministry is because of his father. His parents were divorced when Wayne accepted Christ. And listen, Wayne was on fire when he accepted Christ, and he became just like Ricky. Like Ricky showed people how to do stuff, and he was inviting his friends and his family and everybody to church. But his dad, when Wayne called his dad up, and Wayne had talked to me, we had prayed a bunch, he and his dad did not get along well, and he's just saying, listen, since Jesus forgave me, I feel like I need to forgive my dad. And so we started praying, and man, I was so pumped because he's like ready to make the phone call, and 
like do it. And like, I was there with him and he's like, will you be with me? Yeah. And so he calls his dad and he begins to tell his dad what had happened, how he had accepted Christ and basically how he wanted to forgive his dad and his dad, I could hear his dad start laughing at him. And I could hear his dad say, what do you mean you became a Christian? Here goes back to the past. I know who you are, Wayne. I know what you do. I know how you disrespect me. Don't tell me you're some Christian. Man, I would love to tell you this morning this resolved itself, but it never did. Wayne's dad continued to resist and actually ended up dying before he came to know Christ. And man, it affected Wayne, and so I know how opposition in this world can affect us. I saw how somebody who was totally passionate about Christ got mad and angry and turned his back for a while. I'm glad to say I still keep in touch with Wayne, but sometimes I'm not real sure where he's at, but I know God still has his heart. And we continue to pray that, you know, he makes the decision to repent. But I know what opposition can do, and I share Wayne's story, and I know he would want me to share the same story, because opposition happens, and I know what can happen if we just let it destroy us. So we have to be aware of it, and we have to take it to Christ because I can share story after story of students who also faced other opposition, that they just kept true to God, and that opposition just stayed there. Opposition will be there because we have an enemy. His name is Satan. He is evil. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He's behind everything that's taking place in this world. Yes, people are making decisions. We're not puppets. He's not controlling us. We make the decision to do those things, but it is the evil that takes us there. We make the free choice to do it. The last thing is this. Mature believers should come alongside younger believers. When we read into Paul's life, the church didn't want to hear from him. The outside was trying to kill him. And then we read of this guy named Barnabas who comes and takes him under his wing and goes to the church and he says, yo, this guy's legit. I think that said there in there. This guy's legit. You can trust him. Why? Because God told me you could trust him. And listen, we need more mature believers to come alongside of us. So right now I'm talking to some of you more mature believers. When you see younger people in the faith, you come along and you help them. This is what these relationships are about. This is what these hangouts are intended to do, to connect you with different generations so you can help each other. Older people, and I'm starting to put myself into that category, we can learn something from our teens. We can learn something from our children and people in their 20s. That's been my entire ministry. I think I get ministered to just as much by our students as I do for them. Why? Because that's how God intended it. That we learn from one another. I'll never forget people that invested in Ricky, people like Jonathan and Johnny and Jody and Neil, people that invested in Vanessa and our other young ladies like Amanda and Melissa and Michelle and, and I can't tell you enough, I don't have the time to tell you about how awesome our youth leaders are here in this church, the ones who are working with our children and pouring into them, the ones investing in our students, they're coming alongside and they're the ones doing the ministry Listen, God wants us to live on mission. And if we've been saved like Saul, if we've been saved like Ricky, then we should serve like Saul, and we should serve like Ricky. 
The BCC big idea this morning is that God wants all whom he has saved to serve him in whatever situation he puts them. I'll read it one more time. God wants all whom he has saved to serve him in whatever situation he puts them. And listen, I think we can do that. I think we can serve as passionately as Saul did, as passionately as Ricky did, if we take time to learn from others, if we will share our faith immediately. It doesn't matter if we know it all. Just share it. But while you're doing that, take time to grow. Brace for the opposition that's going to come. And listen, older Christians, come alongside newer Christians and help them, bring them along. Listen, yeah, there's a lot of bad things happening in our world. Evil's very prevalent, but it cannot stand up against the goodness of God. It can't stand up to the truth of Jesus Christ. Listen, we have to, we have to become his messengers. We have to make this a priority in our lives because we can and we will make a difference when we do. The question is, are you ready and are you willing to do something about it? Will you choose today to live on mission for Jesus Christ? Because if you do, I promise you, I guarantee you, not only will it impact your life, but you're going to have an impact on this world around you. That's what Jesus has called us to. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your son. I thank you for stories like Paul that we read in Scripture and just people in our lives that we see the impact they make like Ricky. God, I just pray for each and every one of us that we would have the same passion as these two men who, God, once, he got it, once they got excited about you and knew you, they just wanted everybody else to know it. Man, do we care that much? God, I hope so. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.